Well, welcome to another episode of Good Old Sports, powered by RNA Media and in partnership with Tri-County Press. I'm your host, Riley Pate, my co-host and best friend, Adrian Herndon, <laughs> and we're here for another episode. Um, sorry for the delay in getting one out, but hey, we're here, and we hope that you're uh, joining in and along for the ride a lot to get to in the world of sports. Yes, it is, man. We had an exciting weekend, eventful weekend. Uh uh, high school sports, man, you know, in the sports world in general, you have uh, a lot going on. You know, you're kind of getting in, everybody's getting into district this uh, this week, and then some were in district last week, mm-hmm. and so we got to be a part of that in uh, Mount Pleasant, Texas. Uh, but other than that, man, uh, football weekend's been kind of exciting, and there's some things and some topics that we want to uh, kind of press on today, you know, that we all, that we both have... Uh, you know, similar thoughts and um, theories and feelings about. And so we want to talk about that today. That's kind of what this, this show is going to be angled towards. And what we want to do is uh, we want to make sure that we kind of connect to you guys and let you guys know, hey, this is what we're feeling. But also, uh, it'll be great, man, if we can get you guys' um, input, you know, what you think as we put this show out. Uh, you know, let us know what you think, uh, your thoughts on it. And so, you know, starting off, man, we're going to get into some high school football, some Texas, East Texas high school football. And I want to kind of piggyback off that, is that this show, yes, it's about sports analysis, but it's also an opinionated show. I mean, we have our thoughts and things. And if people don't like it, okay, it's fine. (laughs) Like, it's just one of those deals. But we're about the story. And so I'm going to press on some things that are a story to me. Yes. I'm not about... Making friends or rooting for them. We're not homers. We're, no. we're to cover sports, right. period. Um, you know, and so we, we we do that here on this show. So let's just dive right on in. Okay, so you already kind of brought it up. We were at Mount Pleasant. Yeah. And right out the gate, they played Texas <laughs> High, which, yeah, I mean, yeah. Hey, somebody's got to do it. Uh, they uh, lose at home 58-27. Uh, to 27. Texas High, very athletic. Texas High... Uh, should make a very deep run in the playoffs yeah. this year. I mean, I, I I don't see why not. Um, I'm looking at the same thing. I'm looking. I'm expecting the same thing to see them at, to at least uh, make a deep run. I'm saying at least the semifinals. Oh, or, I would think at, so. at, at most, definitely the uh, state run will be uh, most. Warranted. I don't. I don't see them not going to state. I mean, they're just talented team all the way across uh, yeah, the board. Uh, they execute. Very yeah, well. and and this is one thing that uh, someone brought up at the game Friday is even when they make mistakes, they always come back and follow it up. You know, with oh, either yeah. a big play or a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, so they don't they, panic. No, That's the thing. they're very very calm. Um, and very collected. And so I, that's what I like about Texas High. They've always been that sort of team. Uh, even when I watched them when I was younger, they've always been that calm, kind of collected team. And uh, they always knew how to get the job done. And they've always had a, a plethora of talent. And uh, that showed they still have it Friday night. And, uh, you know, I don't have anything else much more to say about Texas High other than oh, what I, you know, they're I mean- just – they are really? exactly what you thought they would <laughs> yeah. be. Yeah. But, but from the – and I'm going to press on some issues with Mount Pleasant here in a minute. But just from a pure football perspective, what are you doing on the offensive line? You've got a star-stud quarterback back yes. there. And nobody, not one person, says, hey, we got to block for this kid. <laughs> like, they, they don't. You, you don't get to highlight him. 
You've got a pretty good running back back there. He, there's no hole for him to hit. No. I mean, everything's having to bounce to the outside because the middle is just atrocious. Yeah. You, you're not stopping a living soul out there. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the thought process is, but from a football perspective, you have got to be able to stop people. Right. If you cannot protect your quarterback and set up run, uh, run, running lanes for your running back, mm-hmm. I mean, you are in desperate trouble. Right. And that's exactly... If Mount Pleasant wins another game, if they avoid a one and nine, that's a miracle because I don't see how they're going to stop anybody with that offensive line. I mean, that is just atrocious. Well, it's just like I told you earlier: is when you have a quarterback like you know Mason Mac Mason McMahon, we've seen the kid live, you know, mm-hmm. twice, all and, and seen footage of him. When you have a quarterback like that, that's you know very athletic. Uh, on point with his throwing, you have to be sure that you have some sort of protection mm-hmm. around him because what I seen Friday night is he's constantly having to run sideline to sideline just to see if he has anyone open and if he does. Um, and, and like I said, he's very athletic, so there were passes that he made um, that looked like they shouldn't have happened, but they happened. Uh, and I don't understand with the offensive line. I don't... I, it's, undis- it's undisciplined, but come I, I on, get man. It that most of the state has moved to this ballerina offensive line scheme where you just dance with the linemen and you just move around and you a lot of zone schemes. Yeah, okay, whatever. That's your choice. That you know, that's your prerogative as an offensive coordinator or head coach or offensive line coach. You know, whatever. That's what you want to do. But, but even at that, they don't even block the zone scheme well. I mean, they can't even pull guys and trap guys and pull guys away. and do, they, they, they can't do that, and you're going to get the kid hurt. You're going to get him killed one night against a team that's, I mean, just – and like it didn't happen Texas Friday high. night against Texas High. I mean, because he took some hits. He, he had some licks put on him. All because you can't block for him, and then you've got a, a – Generational talent at quarterback, mm-hmm. and you're going to go one and nine or two and eight. At best, you're going to go three and seven. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best you're going to do. You're not going to make the playoffs in that district. You, you know, you're just not going to do it. And it's such a disappointment uh, in Mount Pleasant because they have so much talent. And I mean, it. talent on the offensive side. You have, a, as we mentioned, a running back. You have receivers. You know, yeah. You have what you need. But your offensive line is slacking. They're, as of right now, they are the weakest link to yes. that offense. Yes. And and then on defensive side, you know, you have your, your errors, but you have what it takes to be able to get a stop on defense. The, the biggest th- problem with their defense is they give up too many explosive plays. I mean, yeah, you know, way when, too when many Texas big plays. High needed it, they could pull one out and, and just have it going. Yeah. That's what hurt them. Um, and, and then I'm going to go in and – Give this score, and then I'm going to get to the point that I was going to make earlier. Okay. So, Paul Pewitt loses to Red War 31-24. to 24. Paul Pewitt is now 0-6. <laughs> Man. I, I don't remember this... the last time Paul Pewitt was 0-6. Uh, been a long time. Even even the years that they went spread weren't very good, they didn't start out 0-6. Um, but, but here's the point that I want to make with Paul Pewitt, and I want to make it with Mount Pleasant. And if you're from Paul Pewitt or you're from Mount Pleasant, I want to hear from you. Because I want to see what the community thinks about this. This is what happens when you do not build a structured, disciplined football culture. 
The sidelines in Mount Pleasant are atrocious. And yeah. here's what I mean by that. It's not that you know you got bad inherently bad people or whatever, and it's not even that there's a lot going on amongst the team. Yeah. But you've got people down there that are causing a scene with officials. That's a bad look for your district. That aren't football coaches, by the way. In Paul Pewitt, you have unnecessary, um, and, and I don't know, we weren't at the game, I haven't seen anything said about it. You have unnecessary personal foul penalties every single Friday night. Right. I mean, that are just uncalled for. And it's all because of a lack of of a disciplined football culture. Now, I am nothing against uh, Coach... Uh, uh, Mount Pleasant? Uh, Dorsey. Dorsey. Paul Pugh. Okay, yeah. He's been there a long time. Uh, he, he rightfully deserved a chance at that head football job. Uh, he's still got Coach Camero. You know, they, they've got a good relationship. Yeah. But ultimately, the culture, even with Coach Camero there, the, the ultimate culture of the program is set by Coach Dorsey's athletic director. Yeah. Again, nice guy. But this is where you, when you just promote guys to promote guys, and, and again, I think he deserved it. He'd been there a long time. He was a, a very successful position coach there. But when you just promote guys to promote guys who are not ready to be a head football coach, there is a difference between being an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and now you've got to run the entire team. You've got to, you're the guy that has to make the big decisions. You're yeah. the guy who's got to set the culture. You have to do all of those things. And and when that happens, sometimes you get guys who are really good coordinators who right. do not make good head coaches. Brad Baca was a prime example of that in Pittsburgh. He puts up all those points as an offensive coordinator. Everybody dubs him the offensive genius of East Texas. He's the new hot hand. You give him a six-year deal, and then you have to ask the guy to leave, so you have to pay him off at the end. Because he can't set a football culture. That's exactly what's happened in Paul Pitt. It's not that Coach Dorsey's not a good man. It's not that he's not a good football coach. But there is that jump that you make from being a coordinator and an assistant to, to being the head guy. In Mount Pleasant, I, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, You, but you had a coach take you to the playoffs. You reassign him to just be the athletic director and not be your head football coach. Again, I, I'm not sure, you know, because we had not started this business yet, so I did not get an inside source on that. Right. But that's a bad look for your program. Right. To go from that to now you're one in, in five or, or uh, yeah, one in five now. Yeah. Well, the Mount Pleasant situation, you know, I agree with you. There is, we don't know what happened behind the scenes or what was going on behind the scenes with Mount Pleasant, uh, former head coach, now AD. Uh, but that doesn't make any sense at all because Mount Pleasant, with that coach, had been building and building mm-hmm. and building for years. To get to where they got last year, even though they went first round and got bounced, but they got there because they finally they, made the playoffs. Yes, and they had been building and getting better, and then all of a sudden, now you're gonna make a switch. Right when we're at, we're at our peak, not really, not really even at their peak, they're right there, like on, at the on door, the, the the ascension. Yeah, for that program, and you make a change like that and bring in somebody new. Now, Coach Cluley in Mount Pleasant is, you know, he's a great guy. Uh, I he's like him. Good track record, yeah. but again, he's a coordinator. Right. You don't you don't do that because that's a big change for the kids. 
And also, that's a big change for your program mm-hmm. because now you, you you're, you're trying to figure out the kids, you're trying to figure out the the program, and like I told you earlier, he set a culture, a great family culture there. I can I can feel that almost every head coach tries to do that their first year there. Yeah. You know, they want that family culture. But on t- on outside of that, you have to figure out your team who works best where and who plays best where. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and right now, it's like everybody is not together on anything. The players uh, have great attitudes, but it seems like there's some stuff out of place. There's some stuff out of place on your sidelines, as you mentioned. It, it's it's horrible. Um, we, we work the sidelines on Friday nights, and we're very grateful to do so. But it's very hard because you have a crowd of people on your sideline. That have nothing to do with your football at all. Or your that aren't coaches, but they're and other. They're not staff. Like no, they're, it's no. none of that. But it's, it's, just it's random people. It's people who just I want to be on the sideline for whatever reason. And it's, it's it, it looks bad. It's too crowded. You have to clean that up because that's a distraction to your players and to your coaching staff. Now, when we film or get what do whatever we have, we stay out of the way as best as we can. We're not in the way. We're not conversating with the players or and their the coaches. Media does a good job. Of yes, that. like their media people. They're, they do a they're good media, job. but I'm not. That, that's another thing. I'm not just talking about us. There's other media people there that are trying to get pictures and photos, and they can't because they're being blocked by a lot of unnecessary stuff. But that that's one distraction. The other distraction is, like you said, the coach that is yelling and fussing with the official, and he's not really an official football coach uh, per se on the sideline. That's not good. That can call you numerous cause you numerous of penalties. And it's not even just a high school football problem. So the a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks ago now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a scrum, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a player ejected, all that. And it gets started by Bruce Arians, who's not even supposed to be on the sidelines. Right. That is the problem, is that as a football team, you go out there with a job. I, I mean, I can vividly remember we'd be sitting in the coach's office knowing, hey, we're going to win by 50, and all of us assistants are jacking around, joking, whatever. And Tim would come in there and say, hey, get it together. you got to be disciplined. You gotta be. And I'm like, well, listen, if we don't win by 50, like there's a problem. <laughs> like We're in worse trouble than we think we are. But his whole point was it doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter what's going on. You've got to be disciplined. You have got to be in the mindset that we're here to do a job, right. and we're going to do whatever it takes to do that job. And, and the problem, when you allow people who aren't a part of that mindset and aren't a part of that culture down there, now you're distracting from what the job is. And that job is to be the best team that you can be to win a football game. Yeah. And you're at a point now where the wins and losses determine whether or not you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And, 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 and that determines the direction of your program. So I just I, – I think that that's something that, that we have to be cognizant of now, especially now it's gotten kind of out of hand um, with people – is that these teams are there to do a job, win a football game. Yeah. You're at home. You can't get embarrassed at home. Right. I mean, used to, boy, and it's still this way in a lot of places. You get embarrassed at home, your job's online. I don't care if you do make the playoffs or if you don't make the You get embarrassed at home. Uh, a prime example of that is Dangerfield. I mean, they are ready to string Coach Nelson up. Yeah. He just won a football game. Thank, you know, thankfully for him, he, he won a yeah. game. But you know, he lost at home. <laughs> and they were ready to kill him. And I'm like, you're going to probably win state. But in their minds, you don't get embarrassed at home. Right. And and that's fine. 
but but then don't do things that can hinder your ability to execute yeah. your job. I just uh, I didn't. Know and and just for a second here, I want to kind of talk about Pewitt. Uh, my point of that is. Uh, Coach Dorsey is a great coach, but I see there's a lack of a lack of respect for authority over yes, impurity. Absolutely, impurity. Because even though you have Coach Dorsey, that's your head coach, that's top guy. Yeah. But then you have Conroe. It's a lack of respect there, and Conroe's been there for years. Forty six years. Now. Man. Told me and 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 I've I, with my own eyes and own ears, I've seen these guys, these these players, would have a lack of dis of lack of respect for these men. Who are supposed to be over them, and that's what's so disappointing with them. With Paul Pewitt is it's a culture. Yes, it's yeah. Y'all have a good team. Y'all want to win, but your attitude is bad. Yeah, and you're only going to go as far as your attitude allows you. Right now, you're not going that. You're not getting far at all. You're zero and six. Yeah, I I just I think that those are some stories. And again, we're here to report stories. And there's a story there. When you have things like that going on, it becomes a culture story. Yeah. It becomes not just the X's and O's analysis, but it becomes a story of where are these towns headed, where are these programs headed. So I think that that's something to kind of keep an eye on is is where is that all headed over there. Right. Uh, Dangerfield, we mentioned, they destroyed Hugh Springs 56-6. to That <laughs> is by far the worst Hugh Springs team I have ever laid my eyes on. Yeah, that is They're not true. very good up front. They can't. But normally, you know, Hugh Springs would stay in ball games or even win some ball games that you didn't think they had a chance in because they could get that three yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. They can't even do that. Uh, it's going to be a long year for uh, Coach Edwards and his uh, staff over there. In Hugh Springs, Dangerfield, I expect them now that they're in district, just keep rolling, do what you got to do, get ready for the playoffs, peak at the right time, go on a deep run, and we're, we're excited to look yeah. for that. Now, I have to do this every week just because it it is what it is. They are who they are, but Carthage rolls again, 69-13 to 13 over Brownsboro. <laughs> I mean, I the, the only test they have laying on them is Gilmer. That's the only test. And that will be in the third round of the playoffs as long as Gilmer wins the district. You know, that'll be a yeah. thir- third or fourth round, probably a third round matchup. I, I, I am surprised that Gilmer did not play them in preseason. I, I, yeah, that one shocked me because, you know, Gilmer had the t- the, the, the open. Two, yeah, yeah the they, they, they were open for two straight weeks because nobody would schedule them. I don't know if, if that was like a thing with Carthage because of their schedule, mm-hmm. if they already kind of had things set in place. I, I don't know. I would kind of be interested to see. Uh, and I may even reach out to a source on that probably before next week. Because I, I am curious what the thought process was yeah. there. Um, I, I don't know if that's like a, if it's a, uh, we want to call it a, uh, we don't want to, they don't want to. Tip uh, their hand. Yeah, because. because now it matters. It happened now two years in a row. And, and now you're guaranteed to see them before the state championship yeah. game. You know, and, and that might be it. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm gonna. Uh, I am gonna reach out to a source on that because I, I was curious about that that same thing. But they roll over Brownsboro sixty nine to thirteen. Now here's an underrated, under the radar team right now is Winsboro. Currently ranked number eight in the state. They they roll over <laughs> Commerce fifty five to three. They- Winsboro got something cooking over there in Winsboro. Listen, my my guy Danny, my boy Danny, I messaged him. I said, uh, "Your boy, your team Winsboro making a little bit of noise right now." Mm-hmm. They and listen, and this is but this is another team that has been cooking for the last 
couple of years. And now they've got a quarterback, so Coach Finney's kind of changed his offensive philosophy. Yeah. He's not under center anymore. Uh, he's doing some things a little different than what we've seen him do in the past in other mm-hmm. places. Uh, but they've got it cooking right now. Over, I don't know what they're cooking with, but but yeah. I would keep that grease in the pan. Man. Yeah. Congrats, kudos to Winsboro, man. Big win. All right, so that that's kind of our analysis on some things. Let's look at the upcoming week. We'll be at Paul Pitt versus Decap. I'm excited yes, to see Decap play. Me too, man. I'm ready to see what they put together, man. They put together. A strong culture over there in Decap, man, yeah. and it is showing, and it's showing fast. Uh, they're still a run-heavy offense. They've gone to the pistol flex. They were in the power eye, mm-hmm. uh, but still that run-heavy offense. Get behind those big boys on the offensive line and, and let let the running backs eat. I yeah. mean, you know, and I, I think that's that seems to be working for them. It, it's gone well over there and uh, keeps them in ball games. And now they're they're poised probably to win a district championship over there. So I'm excited to. To kind of see them in person after seeing some film on them, right? For sure. Um, I'm I'm excited to see you know uh, uh, got a coach uh, Edwin Edwin Mims mm-hmm. played for Dangerfield. Yeah, uh, was on a couple of their state teams. Uh, Excellent football and player. even good guy. Yeah, great guy. Uh, so I'm excited to see him on the on the coaching on the coaching field, but. Man, uh, I've I followed them since he's been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, they've built a culture, an amazing culture there, uh, and they're winning. And so I, I'm excited to see them uh, up against Pewitt this week. Uh, I, I I don't want to be rooting for a particular team, you know, because I know a coach, but I do want to see some competition. I, I do too. I, I definitely want to see, see some competition. Like I said, I'm excited to see what DCAB looks like in person, how they fire off the ball. Right. I, I want to see some things they do out of that pistol flex scheme. Uh, Dangerfield is at New Diana. That'll be a bloodbath. Uh, Diana, you know, went on a run a few years ago where they were pretty good. Mm. Uh, then they, they went down and they came back. And they had another year where they were pretty good. And ever since then, it's been downhill from there. That is a program that was a once kind of a, a storied program. Not, not that they've ever won a state championship, but they were that team that you could count on to make it a couple of three rounds deep every year. Yeah. Uh, they were going to be a competitive team. They had some local rivals with Harmony and Orr City and, and different things like that. And it just seems like that program has just fallen off. So so we'll see. You know, you, you, you don't know until you play, but but I don't expect that ball game to be uh, close at all. Then uh, – District play starts up over there in Pittsburgh's district. They everybody was on by last right, week. Right, right. So now you're gonna start district play. You've got Pittsburgh versus North Lamar. It's Pittsburgh's homecoming. You would assume that they can win that ball game. Yeah. But I said this a couple of weeks. Why? Like who is anybody <laughs> why is anybody assuming anything right now? I don't know. It's I, I it's like we've talked about and I this past weekend, I talked with some guys from Pittsburgh. Uh, one of the players, as a matter of fact, that used to play for Pittsburgh, is uh, that was on the team last year. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What What did they say? So, same thing we've been saying is that yeah. there isn't there. Don't burn sources here, but no, just no. You know, there, there's. It's just like I said last year with that team. Even though they went zero and five in pre district, there was still a sense of hope. Right now, there's not. Yeah, no. There's because, no proof. You know, and I told the player last year, I, the guy that was on the team last year, he said, you know, I told him, I, I said, with you guys, even though y'all went 0-5, he said, yeah, we went 0-5 too. And I said, but there was a sense of hope with y'all going into district mm-hmm. because y'all were hungry. Yeah. And I said, but this team, is there's, I can't find 
a sense of hope. I want them to be win. I want them to at least do something, but I can't find it within me because I'm not seeing any any type of improvement from them. Last year there was improvement. They consistently got better each mm-hmm. week. Besides that one game where they just kind of relaxed out, you uh, know? against uh, Van, Van, they they laid down. Van's yeah. quarterback was really good. He did some some things, and but but outside of that game, every week you saw, okay, this is going to be our football team. Like yeah. we're we're building towards something. You had a chance to beat Pleasant Grove. You had a chance to beat Gilmer. You lose out on those ball games, but then you kind of got it going. This year, you don't see that. And, and I, I, I railed on Mount Pleasant. I'm going to rail on Pittsburgh for a You have got, especially in that slot T, that run heavy offense, you mm-hmm. have got to block somebody. And they have Most not blocked def- anybody all year long. Most they're, definitely, man. They're not firing off the ball. They're not blowing anybody off the ball. They're not blocking now. They're not kicking yeah. up any of those. They're not doing any of the things. They can't tackle on defense. That secondary is not running anybody down right. the way that it's set up. I mean, it's just. But but then the, again, I'm, I'm, we're here for the story. So there's another story uh, tied in with that. Because I'm, I'm, all I'm gonna say about the game this week is don't assume anything. Yeah. I, I I mean yeah, you should win that game, but don't assume anything. But here's a, so la, was it last week? Last week that uh, their freshman quarterback. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. No. Two uh, weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, two their weeks freshman ago. quarterback, Nick Stiles, who was going to be the star of the program moving forward, he was your future, uh, gets a very devastating concussion, uh, still trying to recover from that. Yeah. He's out. Don't even know if he's going to ever play football again. Yeah. Which raises the question, Where? what is the future of Pittsburgh football? I mean, I you know, I've kind of molded that over in preparation for mm-hmm. the show this week. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom guy. I just don't see a few. I I, I don't see a lot of wins on their schedule. Yeah. I, well, I I just don't. Not even for this season. I'm talking about and, and, and next season and even the season after that. I don't see where you're gonna get. It. I you know, and I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what you're thinking there. I said this a few weeks ago, and I will stand by. I do not think that Coach Abram is there much longer. Um, you know, I, I just don't see that uh, because I don't see kids who fit his mentality. I don't see kids who fit his style. And that is the thing. You've got to get a coach who fits your players, and you've got to have players that fit your coach. Yeah. And right now what we're seeing is that those two things are not – it's not that he's not a good football coach. It's not that he's not trying. It's not that he's not a great guy. It's not even necessarily against those kids. It's that for whatever reason, those two things are not meshing. And you're not going to have an influx of guys down the pipeline who are just going to magically fit what he's asking them yeah. to do. Well, okay, so there, there. I don't know if the, the, the it's split sources wise because it's a lot. It's people that say, okay, we need to stick with the run offense. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna get going. And then there's people say we need to start passing a little bit more. Yeah, and. and as we're starting to see that, we're starting to see that. Even though you know you you say that's not what Abram wants, but in some sense, I beg to differ. It's just that he has done. He's doing everything, and we've talked about this. Everything that it looked like that he's doing, he's doing it as a spitting image of what Paul Pierce was doing because you know he came from there. Yeah, and it's a spitting spitting image, and I. I 
I say it's, it's almost as if he hasn't found his coaching identity, right. what he wants to run. Because now, you know, he's saying, okay, I have my quarterback. Okay, well, you have your quarterback, but are you going to develop that quarterback? Do you have somebody that can develop that well, quarterback and, and I don't even to run that scheme? I don't even understand where people are getting he's got his What is it? He doesn't have well, see, and so that, that kind of a coach doesn't have a quarterback. No. He's got a guy who he wants to – now, if they mean he's got his quarterback in the sense that this kid's a good field general, he's not going to lose a ball game, yeah. okay, then yeah, I understand that. But if they're saying from a talent perspective, oh, he's got his quarterback, he's not looking for a quarterback. He's looking for three running backs and a good offensive yeah. line to run well, his system. And, and I think it's the latter of what you said. He's looking for a good field general. Yeah. And it, it, a good – someone that can maintain the game right, right. now. Just don't lose the ball. Right. And, and – We've said this numerous of times. Pittsburgh is a young team, but as and they have room to grow. But it's like I said this past weekend: you can't coach mentality. No, you it, it can't be done. You no, because if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. And one of the things Pittsburgh is lacking is not that they're not they're they're not good. They're, they can be physical, even though they have problems with being with tackling. They don't have the most speed, but there's a mentality thing going on. That it can't be coached, and then but it needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're looking for that field. Back to the, the quarterback, you're looking for that field general. According someone that I talked to this weekend, and I didn't, I had never thought about it until they had said it. Pittsburgh has never really truly been able to develop quarterbacks. No, I, no matter who the coach has been, they haven't. Been able to produce or develop quarterbacks. They've wasted some talent. Yes, and and with Nick Styles is why it's just, it's so sad because you've seen this kid come up. You know his parents. You know his dad is legendary in Pittsburgh. His mom. You know the, you know these people, and and you've seen this kid come up. You know and, and said this. Thought that's the future. Yeah. Well, and, and you look at that. And you say this kid is going to be somebody. Now I'm not saying he he won't because he's still good at baseball. You know he still has other sports, but you. The expectation was he's going to be our future quarterback. That's our quarterback. Um, and, and the conversation was, okay, if, he, if if he's playing quarterback, do you remain in the system that you're in? With, 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 with a quarterback like that, do you remain in a running offense? But do you keep a coach who doesn't develop quarterbacks? That, that's another question. That, that's another I, it, it goes back to what I said about this at the even even last year. Um, is that what what is the administration and what is the town looking for? That's because if they think that you're going to get a coach Abram to come in there and just make you whatever, you're not. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And here's why. It's not that he's not capable, it, it, but it, it's a mentality thing. There is a difference between small town, small school 4As and small town 3A schools mm-hmm. and what you have in Pittsburgh. There's a cultural difference yeah. and there's an ideological difference. The greatest example I can give you on this, Coach uh, Doug Bush uh, coached at Union Hill, won st- uh, two state championships. Mm-hmm. Run the power eye offense. Hey, we're going to get understand. We're going to ground and pound. Come stop us. I mean, he coached it. He, he coached tackling. I mean, everything that you, you would expect from a smash-mouth football team. 
So then he kind of became a guy around here. Like he he got interviewed for some jobs. Finally, Gilmer says, "Hey, we want to get this thing turned around." This was in the the mid eighties, right? So mm-hmm. Gilmer was kind of on their down downturn for a little bit. Gladewater was picking up, so they're like, "Hey, we got to do something to match up." All right. So they hired Coach Bush. Coach Bush's first game against Gladewater. I mean, it's a packed stand because they're thinking we're gonna because uh, Gladewater was doing the same thing with the the split back veer, and everything was just mouth smash mouth pounding ground, right? So they're like, we, we've got our coach. We're mm-hmm. gonna. He gets beat sixty-five to nothing. Wow. So it was asked of him years later after he'd retired, coach. What what happened? He said, guys, you can't teach them to want to hit somebody. That can't be taught. Yeah. And that's what happened. And that's what's happening here is you can't make kids be something that they're not. If they're not the good old boys that throw hay during the summer and they work outside and they're used to just being physical and they're used to being whatever and manual labor all the time, you're not going to get those kids to go hit somebody. Right. And that's and, and it's not to say they can't win games. If you go, if you bring in a coach who, and they had the opportunity, not going to name names, you bring in a coach that knows how to spread it out Going up tempo, you know, flashy. Hey, let's dump some passes. Have some, you know, stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Have an athletic quarterback. Do some things like that. You win ball games, plain and simple. Yeah, I, that's not my that's not my forte. That's not what I coach. That's not what I was. But there are guys who do it. They do it well. They win football games that way. It can be done. Yeah. But that's why I say you've got to get and and that's that is where. Everybody's going to have to sit down at the end of this season because I don't expect them to make playoffs. I mean, I, I know that Spring Hill's real bad, but I, I don't even know that you're going to beat them. That might be your ticket in. I don't know. Yeah. But 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 if you don't, and you let's say you do wind up one and nine or two and eight even, well, you'd wind up two and nine because if you if you win the the second ball game, you're going to make the playoffs, get bounced in the first round. So let's say you go one and nine or two and nine. Yeah. It's time to sit down and have a conversation. Because you went from, hey, the ship's sailing and it had not come back yet, and rah, rah, we're ready to go to this. That's not the way that you even, – even those who are saying, well, he's here to build a program. You don't build a program going from all this momentum to just being shut down. That, that's not how you build a program. That's not how you change a culture. Because what will happen is, well, that, that first season was a fluke. We can't buy into what he's doing. There's yeah. got to be a buy-in to the program. There's got to be a buy-in to the mentality, and you don't have that right now. So I think that there's just a lot of things that are going to have to be considered. Yeah. Where what do we really want, and what do we think is going to put us in the best position to win football games? Yeah. Because you cannot. And here's the other side of it. And this is the, and and I, I want to know what people think about this. You, you are trying, and, and again, we're here about news stories, okay? I, I'm here to cover a story. You're trying to pass an $84 million bond. In Texas, the way you get things like that done is you have successful football programs. You generate excitement about your school through what you're doing on Friday nights. People don't know the ins and outs of your test scores. They don't know the, they could care less. But they will give money to something that they see a product on the field 
that it's winning football games. And, and if you can marry those two things, which is what happens, you get a good sports program, it carries over into your school district. Mm-hmm. But how in the world are they going to, to move forward with that? I mean, you want to do all these things. And I'm not saying that they will or won't. That's, that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying how that all ties in is you've got to sit down and decide what do you want to do as a program to put yourself in a position where your town is proud of you, where the administration can be proud of the product that's being put on the field, where you can start winning football games, being competitive again, and quit being the the talk of the cellar dwellers that, that everybody wants to play you for homecoming. Yeah, because that's where you're headed. You're headed back to that those days when when everybody's headed to Pittsburgh for homecoming, and you don't want to. You do not want to go back there because once a program goes there, I mean, it is hard. I mean, very very hard to ever come back and be relevant again. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's programs around that have tried that, and and it's just hard to do. The only team that I know that have done that is Mount Vernon. Yeah, <laughs> but look at who they hired. Yeah. Well, and I, so, I, you know. so to kind of piggyback off of, uh, a little bit off of what you said, so you're not the first person to say what you said about, you know, from going to, to from uh, 3A to a 4A, you mm-hmm. know, something in that, uh, sim- those similarities. But somebody else, the, the same person I talked to this weekend, said the same thing. He said over in Hewitt, it was, when Abram got there, he said that was different. He said because those boys were the ones, like you said, Tossing and Hayes that was outside where, you know, they were ready to hit somebody. They could run that offense because mm-hmm. they had that mentality. To run yep. He said, you go up in the bigger districts, you ha- you see dudes, you- you're passing. You're passing because those guys aren't the 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 rough housing, the, you know, rough hand or, you know, outside all summer. They're not those type of guys. Yeah. You have is what I call the pretty boys of the district. From 4A and up, you have those pretty boys. Yep, they're there for the flashiness yeah. and the show yeah. and the film. And so you have that type of mentality here yeah. in Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh is a small town, but that's the mentality you have on the field with yeah. the players that you have. Exactly. And so I'm not sure. With, with, with Abram, he, he, like the, the, the administration may have wanted to build a culture. But does that culture that you think that he's going to bring, is it fit for these boys. <laughs> you can't build a big, uh, a brick house when you hand me a stack of wood. Exactly. You, you can't do it. And that, that and again, we're just here to cover a story. And right. that's just a storyline that I think is interesting right. to follow. Because now people are starting to wonder, you know, hey, is this run offense really working? Is this the right coaching system? Now, because they, they know the, who the players are, they also know some stuff that the players are doing wrong and that they, they you know, are struggling with. Yeah. So it's both sides of the story. It's not just the coaching staff. They have a good coaching staff over in Pittsburgh. I'm not saying that they don't. But with the with the coaching staff and those kids, I'm not sure how long it's going to work out. The the storyline is whether or not that's a fit. Yeah. And you're, and you're going to have to look through the rest of the season, see, just yeah. see what happens. And then I think that's something that we're going to be talking about in the offseason. Yeah. It's kind of where is the, all this headed. The only other thing I have to say about this is Pittsburgh, if you can, prove us wrong. Yeah, exactly. If, if you can, hey, prove us wrong. All of this goes away if you start winning football yeah. games. All if this you can, goes away. prove us wrong. Uh, let's see. The rest of that district, you've got Gilmer at PG. So PG staying in the wing team, but they are trying to mix it up a little bit. Sometimes they'll get out of the gun. I was looking at some of that uh, just to try and mix up some looks. Uh, but I'll go back to the story a couple years ago that came out from, from a 
strong source mm. that Coach Gibson's time in Pleasant Grove always had a a timeline, mm-hmm. uh, and that that is coming to a close. And so I think that as that happens, you're going to see him do some things that maybe he's not comfortable with, think, just to try and win ball games, so that he can go back and and say, hey. You know, it's it's time for me to move on, but but I'm going to be in a position now to where I'm still a high quality candidate. I'm still up for some of the bigger jobs. Yeah. Uh, but but that was kind of and and from my understanding, um, that was always the case. Like the school board knew he's only going to be here for a set amount of time. They right. always had a timeline. Nobody's exactly sure about the end date. I've heard that it's this year, and I've also heard that it's could possibly be next year, but that within the next two, maybe three seasons, that's where that timeline kind of is. Everybody involved knows it, Uh, but at the same time, he's still putting a quality product on the field. They're still winning football games. They're still competitive. Uh, I expect them to give Gilmer all they've got. I don't know that they're going to be able to keep up uh, because, I mean, Gilmer just has so many offensive weapons this season. You've kinda, you kind of you do have your quarterback in the future who's better than his brother over there. Um, you, you've got some guys in the wide receiver core that are starting to really uh, come into their own. They're making plays back there. I mean, you've got everything. Uh, Coach Edwards, Coach Tommy Edwards, is the unsung hero in Gilmer right now. Not to take away from Coach Metzl. Coach Metzl's been there forever. He's been waiting for that head job. Glad he finally got the opportunity, and he seized the, the opportunity and, and run with it, you know. But Coach Edwards takes over as a defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden, Gilmer wants to hit people. Like, Gilmer's not afraid to line up. Because for years, if you could run at them and, and just take it to them, you were going to score points. Mm-hmm. And you might lose. You might get beat 70 to 68, but by golly, you were going to put up 68 points. Yeah. That's not the case. He's stopping guys. He has coached them up. He's got that mentality that we're not going to allow you to just score whenever. He's the unsung hero over there, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do with some different looks that Pleasant Grove's going to try and give him and his defensive uh, uh, set over there and, and just see. But but I would expect that yeah. Gilmer walks away with that uh, pretty handily there, probably towards the end of the game because, I mean, they just have so many bodies yeah. that they can well. – and, and I, that may I don't know if Pleasant Grove's got any better with it, but you know that may be the the struggle with is trying to pass against Gilmer. You know, yeah, as that's been a no no for years. It's, don't throw the ball. Yeah, you run it at them. But, yeah, but, but now throw. you know they've strengthened up that defensive yeah. line up front, and and so, uh, yeah. makes it tough to beat them. It, it it shocks me to see that Pleasant Grove's running out of the gun a lot more than you know their normal wing T form, but. Uh, Hey, I mean, it's been working for him. Yeah. You, so. You know, it, it's kind of where he's – and this goes back to what I'm, I've said before. Sometimes coaches are only meant to be at places for a certain amount of time because those players fit what they're trying to do, and then that next batch of kids just doesn't. Yeah. And that kind of seems to be the case over in Pleasant Grove. But he's still making the most of his opportunities over there trying to mix things up. And uh, get them going to where they're in the position, the best position they can be to make a playoff run and make some noise. This just came to mind. I kind of want to do something we, mm-hmm. as we move on to the next thing. It, uh, I kind of want to do a study and a, a kind of philosophy behind the run offense because then, you, of course, in today's society, you want to throw the ball a lot more, right? But you start to see schools go back to the run. Some some schools go back to the run offenses like power eye, flex mount, all this stuff, other stuff, and. I want to I want to kind of do a study and see what people's thoughts are. It's because 
you're starting to see like Gibson over in in, in, in Pleasant Grove. Time's going short for him. And he ran out of that wing tee, and they did good for a moment. They won two uh, state championships and have been runner-ups and, and still have been making playoffs. But now you're seeing them starting to transition out of something that he he doesn't normally do. And so I, I want to see how long can that run offense last in at certain schools. Some schools, it can last for years. Mm-hmm. It's just how they're built on that culture. Yeah. But if it's something brought to them that's new... It seems not last that long, and that's what I'm trying. I'm kind of wondering in Pittsburgh is how long can this last? Just like in, in Pleasant Grove, how long? Well, now you've only got it's only lasting what a season. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's it, I, I just want to see like in 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 uh, Spring Hill. I want to see how long it's going to last. Yeah, uh, they play Liberty Island. You expect Liberty Island uh, to win that ball game. Liberty Island's got it going. They've got some athletes over there. Uh, excited to see kind of. From Liberty Isle's perspective, they've had the athletes. It's just kind of been a thing of can they put it together enough to win the games they've got to win. Yeah. So far, they've done that. Uh, and you would expect them to continue to do that against Spring Hill and just kind of take it to them. But Spring Hill trying to make that transition, uh, running the pistol flex bone, so trying to get more. And I said last year they should have been running the football. Uh, I talked to a guy who I coached with who, who's kind of involved over there, and he said, listen, I you know I've tried to tell them run the football. They had a staff there that didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, for whatever reason, and now they got a guy who does. According to a source, their running back went to Gladewater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the main kid did. He yeah. left, and and Gladewater can't get together either. But that's, <laughs> that's a whole other yeah. Uh, but but you would expect uh, them to be able to run the football and, and do some things as time goes on, as they grow into the system and, yeah. and see where that mentality takes them. So we talked about the the kind of under the radar. They're not going to be under the radar after this week. You've got Winsboro versus Mount Vernon, two state-ranked teams now. Uh, that game's going to be in Winsboro, uh, and I expect that. They've got the new turf field over there. Uh, redone the stands. I, I expect that to be a packed house, an electric atmosphere, and it's good for, for Winsboro to be back to where, hey, now we're competing with Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and not only that, but you've got these two Titans battling out for a district championship because the man. winner of that game should win that game. I kind of want to go to that game, man. Well, I know. I think it'd be a great atmosphere. <laughs> I, I, really I love do. a good atmosphere, man. Uh, and I think that'll be an excitement. And then another big game. Uh, for a larger school is Kimmore at Lindale. Uh, that game's got a lot of playoff implications because that could determine if if either one of those two teams can beat, uh, if the winner of this game can beat Chapel Hill, which Chapel Hill went from the, the preseason can't be touched to now all of a sudden probably going to get second in that district. Like mm-hmm. They may not even win their district, uh, which is a tragedy with that offense. Yeah. But... The defense ain't there. The, the, the defense just ain't there. <laughs> uh, it's just not happening. And so you've got Kilwar at Lindale. Uh, that's going to be an electric atmosphere. A big game for those two programs. Yeah. Uh, a rivalry game there. And, again, that district championship or the possibility of one uh, right there on the line. So so that'll be a, a good game if you're in that area. Try and catch that one. Uh, keep an eye on it. Uh, let's see. Moving on to college. Uh, let's see. Kind of looking at the weekend review, Kentucky got their first loss of the season, 22-19, playing Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. But how about what Mark Stoops has done over in Kentucky? 
Kentucky. I, listen, I'll give him his props, but like I told you this weekend, it's restoring balance <laughs> to the big conference. Th- that, that offense is good over in Kentucky. Like yeah. He's got some players. Yeah. He, he's got it. Uh, you know, he became the wingiest coach because a lot of people forget Bear Bryant, you know, was there. And now Coach Stoops is the wingiest coach in Kentucky history. Um, but he's kind of instilled that, hey, we're not just a basketball school. And they're, they're interesting to watch. Yeah. I enjoyed watching them a couple weeks ago. I got to watch a little bit of their ball game that they won. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like, you know, you're probably going to lose to Ole Miss just because of what uh, Coach Kiffin has going on. Uh, so... We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I, I'll give Kentucky their props. Um, as you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, Cowboys fan, and uh, two there's two players uh, on that team that came from Kentucky: uh, Kelvin Joseph and uh, Quentin Bohanna, and who are uh, Kevin uh, Kelvin's a uh, cornerback, and mm-hmm. Quentin Bohanna's on the defensive line. Two two great players, so. I give them props. Hey, y- y'all have produced two of my two players for the Cowboys. Uh, but other than that, man, yeah, they have been a good a good team on the come up, on the rise. And so I do, I do in a sense expect in the next uh, couple of games, even the next following seasons, for them to be one of those teams that's up there with like Baylor and TCU and in that conference. I don't see. I don't see why. I mean, Kentucky could still even with an Ole Miss win the SEC. Yeah, probably will. I don't see why um, there will be any kind of uh, down talk. Other, even when I just said, you know, storing balance, because I, I even I didn't expect a team like Kentucky. But to be realistic about it, they they are actually a good football team. Uh, I, they're going to get your six. Yeah, uh, they're going to be in the top six that, that, that don't make the playoffs. Yeah, Stoop Stoop is coaching his butt off right now. He's producing a team. He, I give he him, is. I give him that. I give him all of that, but. Um, like I said, storm balance. I, I, and with Lane Kiffin, man, like I said, I like Lane Kiffin. Um, what he's doing over there at Ole Miss, I'm kind of a uh, like a. Uh, I'm not a strong fan of Ole Miss, but I'm like a standoffish fan. You oh, know? I, I am. I, yeah. I keep up because I think Lane Kiffin's a great football yeah, coach. Yeah, he gets a bad rap. Okay, he gets a bad rap because he was the young guy who got all the big jobs. Yeah, he got the Tennessee job. He stays there for a year, and then he leaves. He goes to, to USC. He gets fired on the tarmac at USC and then turns that into the the Oakland Raiders job. Like, <laughs> he, he does things, right? Yeah. And he gets all of these these jobs, and everybody kind of was jealous of him, and it was all because he's an innovative offensive mind. Yeah. That didn't work out. He didn't produce at USC like he thought he would. He didn't produce at NFL level, obviously. But... He's still a great offensive coach. He's still a good head coach. He did what he had to do. He went over. He got you know tutelage from the greatest of all time, and Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. He learned what he had to learn. He goes down to U, uh, uh, UCF there and and uh, turns that program around and starts winning games. And then uh, people all of a sudden, hey, Lane Kiffin. Now he's getting mentions for SEC jobs. Yeah, you know. And so now he's kind of worked his way back into those conversations for some of the bigger jobs. I mean, there's even a thought, and I don't disagree, that he may be the guy who, when Nick Saban steps out of Alabama, goes to Alabama. Really? I mean, you know, that there's this thought process because he's comfortable there, he understands the fan base, and he's rightfully won his way back into those kind of conversations. Uh, Right now, 
probably his big his next big stop could be Auburn uh, if they do decide to move on from their coach Brian Harson who went through an off season of allegations and scandal and whatnot but kept his job but uh, I, I I could definitely see where that's a possibility for him but we've yeah, got to okay. quit saying oh well that guy's not a good coach because of whatever no he's a good football coach yeah and unfortunately. What's happening is he's not getting the credit that he's doing Ole Miss despite the games that he's winning, you know, uh, despite all of that. And, and, again, there's a lot with Lane Kiffin. you got to get past, like, you know, last year he's playing Alabama in Alabama, and he says, hey, get your popcorn, I'm going to put on a show, and then gets beat by 20. You know, like, <laughs> you know, so there's things he does, but at the end of the day, he is a good football coach. Yeah. And you can't judge him for what happened in Oakland. You can't judge him for what happened at USC, any of those things. Don't remember him for that. Look at what has he done for you lately. He was the offensive coordinator that won the national championship in Alabama. He's, he's the coach that got – uh, the, uh, a no-name program, relevant all of a sudden. Then he turns around and gets the Ole Miss job. He's restoring them back to what you would expect Ole Miss football to be. And he's competing with you know these these Titans in the SEC. He's winning those ball games. Hey, give him the credit that he is due. Yeah. And I don't understand why Ole Miss keeps getting these low rankings in the AP poll. And it's just because nobody it's wants to vote. disrespectful, man. Exactly. And nobody wants to vote for Lane Kiffin. I just it's don't disrespectful. It. ridiculous. Like, come on. You, it's obvious the culture that he's building over there. The team's doing good. He has a good coaching staff. Give him his due credit. I mean, he, he produced Matt Corral. Exactly. Like, come on. He's doing good for Atlanta yeah, right now. Yeah, what, what are you doing? I, I, I just don't <laughs> get it. But it is what it is. I yeah. digress. Uh, you want to talk about a Jim Harbaugh football team. That's Michigan. <laughs> they beat Iowa twice in 14, but they're doing everything Harbaugh wants to do. They're running the football and playing good defense. <laughs> I mean, hey, got it. And he's that smash mouth type of coach. Like, that's what he wants. He wants yeah. to be a tough team. You know, he's producing. He, he's still kind of bouncing between a couple quarterbacks depending on what yeah. package. But, hey, he's producing. But that's – I mean, that's crazy to think about. That's – to think he has a quarterback for each system, whatever he wants to run. Yeah. Who else can do that other than Alabama? Like, exactly. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see any other team that now, can do that. he's doing it kind of out of necessity, but he's doing it successfully. Yeah. Like, he's not, oh, you know, we're going to switch out quarterbacks and then fall apart. No, yeah. he's still able to – to produce a productive offense. Yeah, and and like from what I've seen with Michigan, them with them even doing that is that they're a tough team. They're well put together. They're disciplined, and man, I when you get those kind of things on a football team, it's hard to stop them. I mean, Michigan. I mean, way up there. I kind of think of because if you're up there in Michigan, it's cold. Oh yeah, you gotta be tough. You gotta be. Yeah, tough. you gotta fight. You He's got, a Michigan alum. Yeah, I mean, you, you, know, he knows. And so you got, and and so it's that environment is is seeping through that football team. And hey, man, they doing big things over uh, in Ann Arbor, right? Ann Arbor, Michigan. I, I go ahead, Harbaugh. I don't know what your brother's doing with the Ravens, but oh, we're gonna get to that. In a second. Yeah, I, I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, but Michigan. but I think Harbaugh did the right thing. He didn't take. Uh, the NF, the Bears job. It wasn't it the Bears job. It was I'm one of the, sure. the remaining NFL jobs. And he kind of he went up there and interviewed, and he says, "Ah, oh, that's not for me." And his whole deal was, you know, he came so close to winning that Super Bowl in San Francisco. Yeah, and he felt like he had unfinished business. But he said, you know, that was kind of my answer that that I'm not stay where you at. Just win, 
Right. Be competitive. Win ball yeah. games. You're a great uh, football coach, and you're you're able to do something there. You're in the playoffs, you know, uh, or at least the playoff conversation every year. I mean, you you've got the big rivalry with Ohio State over there. You finally beat them. Yeah. So you got that going on. Just stay where you're at. Win football games. Be competitive. Be that national story that you've become over there. Yeah. I think that that was a good uh, decision on his part because here's the deal. And I'll go ahead and touch on this because we've talked about Lane Kiffin didn't make it. Nick Saban didn't make it. Uh, Jim, Har- Jim Harbaugh could have, but he's not. He, he feels like his his fit now is at the college level. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer didn't make it. That is not to say these guys aren't good football coaches. Mm-hmm. But there is a stark difference in the way that you have to approach things and the way that you have to run things uh, in the NFL. That's why you don't see a lot of NFL teams anymore going down to the college level to pull a guy. It's just no. not going on. Those, the one coach that I can that comes to mind that I can think that has been successful from doing that from college, from college to NFL is uh, Jimmy Johnson, the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s. But and I know we're about to say he drafted a lot of his players from Miami yes. to the Cowboys. Michael Irvin, uh, who uh, Emmitt Smith was no yeah. Emmitt Smith. Did he play the Gators? No, no, the Hurricanes. Hurricanes, yeah. He uh, played Miami, yeah. Yeah. So he drafted his players from Miami to come play with the Cowboys. It and what he brought in some of his guys, like he instilled that culture. He had, and the the thing that helped him is he took over a losing football team. Yeah. That it was like, okay, listen. And this was back before player empowerment, too. That was the big difference. Those guys either got to do it his way or they didn't get to play. Yeah. Now, those guys get to tell everybody how they're, what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, how they're going to do it. That's the problem. But back yeah. then, you could come in there and just lay down the wall. And Jimmy Johnson was able to do that. Yeah. The guys now at the NFL level are not allowed to do outside of Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll tries. Okay, but outside of like Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, uh, Mike Tomlin, those are the only three guys that come to mind off the top of my head that go in there and get to just really lay down the law and say, "This is the way we're going." Sean Payton could do it, uh, where you get to to lay down the law and say, "This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to play football. If you don't like it, you can go fly a kite." But outside of that, everybody else has to acquiesce to their players. Yep. Because their players are getting paid more money. The players are doing this. The players are doing that. Or. The yeah. owner, Jerry Jones. You know, you yeah, know, just, exactly. But, so, you know, it is what it is. Th- that's the problem. So, I I, <laughs> I I just think, again, Jim Harbaugh made the right decision. Stay where you're at, win football games. Yeah. All right, let's uh, keep The Big 12 is awful. <laughs> it's all There's over not the place. A good, it's a shambles. There is not, outside of Oklahoma State, there is not a good football team in the Big 12. Not one. TCU beats Oklahoma 55-24. TCU took it to Okay, them. They made them look like freaking... Not only that, but then get this. So, another quiet team that's not getting any coverage, and I don't really understand this, but it is what it is, is USC. For years... Yeah, they, they yeah, yeah, what's up with that, man? Now, no, 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 but they're quietly ranked number six in the NBA. <laughs> if you can what? quietly be ranked number six in the nation, I don't know. But they beat Arizona State 42-25. They haven't lost a game yet. So, who's the smartest guy in that room? Lincoln Ryan. Lincoln Riley is the guy who said, listen, we're not going to compete in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Lincoln Riley is the guy who said, not only am I out of here, I'm going to go take another job, and I'm going to turn them around. And took some of the players from Oklahoma. I'm going to take all the players, I'm going to take all the coaches, and you get to live with it. 
So then everybody gets excited because they go get it on line, and Brent Venables, who was the uh, defensive coordinator that won national championships at Clemson. You're in the Big 12. You don't play defense in the Big 12. You score points. <laughs> Can't score points, you don't win ball games. Go ask Gary Patterson. Go ask anybody who's ever tried to play defense in the, in the, in the Big 12. That's not how you win in the Big 12. Yeah. You win the Big 12 by getting a guy who develops quarterback and can gun it and, and sling it around and you win games and you beat Texas 55 to 50 or, or you, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. You know, you, you get a shootout with Texas Tech. You know, you, you do all those things. Well, well the, the, the deal with Oklahoma is they can't do any of that. No, uh, no, I thought right. they I thought they could get a running game started, but they can't TCU do that. They that, yeah. Spencer Rattler. He says I'm out of here. Yeah, he you know they lose all <laughs> those receivers that had committed. Yeah, and then they lose some of them to the transfer portal who had actually played for them, and been productive players yeah. last year. You lose all those guys, and you don't replace them with anybody. No, with anybody. And and you said it. Lane Kiffin seemed to be the smartest guy the in the room. Uh, well, Lane Kiffin. I'm sorry, Lincoln Riley. Uh, so, um, Lane Kiffin would be the smartest guy there. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> Lane <laughs> so, Kiffin said, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. But that's why these programs are after money. So Oklahoma yeah. chases the money. And they say, okay, we think that we, we can go compete in the SEC. So then Texas chases A&M. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma's going to chase... Texas. Texas. And it's all about the money. It's not from a football perspective of, okay, okay, yeah, okay, you get to play Texas, and Texas gets to play Texas a yeah, but then you got to play Alabama. you got to play Georgia. you got to play Ole Miss. you got to play LSU. you got to play all of these places. Arkansas. You don't just get to beat up on each other like you're doing right now in the Big yeah. 12. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I don't understand. At some point, we have got to get back, and it's got to happen at the high school level. It's got to happen at the college level, the pro level, to what – can we do to win football games? Let's forget the money. And that's what people don't understand. Especially now in college football, it is a business. We're paying the players. We're paying the coaches. We're pay- but Everybody's getting People paid. have seen, it's, it seems to have been kicked out of the window or door that you fail to realize that when you win, the money comes naturally. Because when you win games... If Brett Venables doesn't win games, they're going to fire him. Yeah. So, I mean, what was the point? If you don't... And here's what I don't understand. It was the administration. They did not even consult Lincoln Riley before they said, hey, we're going to the SEC. Nobody asked him. They called him. He found out on ESPN that, hey, we're going to the SEC. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, But... The administration made that choice, not the coaching staff. But they bring in a guy, and he doesn't win the SEC. What are they going to do? They're going to fire him, and then you <laughs> have to pay that guy because now you got to buy out his contract. Yeah, you put him in that situation. And then you're you still stuck in a, for that. You're still stuck in the SEC, and you're still you're stuck in the SEC. And now <laughs> you've got a guy who plays a, a defensive type of football. In the Big 12, and you can't win there either because you can't score points. It just, yeah. I, I don't, but the Big 12 as a whole is atrocious. I mean, yeah. Texas is one of those teams that they're on the rise, but they're not there yet. They, yeah. they played tough against Alabama. They get beat by Texas Tech. They won last weekend. You know, they're, they're on the rise, but they're not, they haven't arrived yet. Yeah. The rest of the SEC, I mean, the, the Big 12 is atrocious. Is Everybody. It, is it, uh, there, there's two of them that's undefeated right now. It's, uh, Oklahoma State, and then uh, it's the Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. Kansas Blue or Jay, Blue Jayhawks Jay, or something Jayhawks. like that. Yeah. Kansas 
and Oklahoma State are the two right. best teams in the Big 12. And that is a conference that consists of Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, and TC, and Texas Tech. Yeah. And they're not even the top teams in your Big 12. But the administration's thing, let's go to the Let's go to the SEC. Oh, SEC. Oh, because you want to chase Texas and them who's doing horrible right now. Yeah, uh, that's a whole nother. Yeah. So, I... Again, you, you maybe you do beat Jimbo in Texas and <laughs> But you're not going to beat the other guys yeah. and you can't beat either. That's going to be the only trophy you may be able to hold up <laughs> well, at we, the end We of beat Texas and... Well, whoop-de-doo. What are you doing <laughs> for me lately? Oklahoma State, speaking of them, gets their revenge. You know, they lost the Big 12 championship game Yeah. Uh, to Baylor. But they, they got their revenge. They beat in 36.5 pretty handily. Yeah. They they are clearly the outside of Kansas. Those are your clearly top two. I expect that if they do play Kansas in the Big Twelve Championship, I would expect Oklahoma State to win that ball game. Yeah, they play aggressive football. Coach Gundy's got it going on over there. Uh, you know, but that, that's a fun fun watch. Like if you want to see just a good balanced football team, mm-hmm. watch an Oklahoma State game. I think that they they do a very good job. Talking about Alabama. They beat Arkansas 49-26. You know, I had high hopes for Arkansas. I really did. I thought, you know, you, you've you got it going. Coach Pitt, uh, Sam Pittman comes over there, and he infuses all of this excitement. You start beating people all of a sudden. You shouldn't be beaten. You're getting it turned around. I thought, hey, this is the year. Then he loses Texas A&M. But she follows up the end of the question asking about the team as a whole, which is the point he was trying to make. So yeah. he's like, well, she asked you what you want to know, but the way she worded it was poor. But he kind of goes off on her, cuts her off, gets mad. Rightfully so. That man is sick and tired of everybody thinking that his program is built on one or two players. It's not. Yeah. He wins national championships because he builds a culture, and he makes it about the team and what you can do for your program. He's not about individuals. And that was the point he was trying to make there, is it's not about Bryce Young. How about my other guys who played their tails off? Yeah. Well, it's, it's also the big thing with Alabama is um, when you have coached that long there, you would think that people would have in their mind, like, hey, well, he's done this for a while. He's been very successful at it for years. It's not about yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it At this point, they should know. It's more than just one player on that team. Yeah. I get that Bryce Young is, you know, Heisman Trophy winner uh, last year, and probably I don't know if he can do it again this year or whatever. But well, it depends on he probably he's in the running. You know, yeah. depending on how this injury thing yeah. turns out. But the, definitely a high yeah. NFL draft pick, and that's a quarterback. You know, some of these quarterbacks I look at and go, I'm not sure. 
he can play in the NFL. Like, oh, he, yeah, he, yeah. He's the kind of guy, he can play in the NFL. Yeah, and so you would think people have that. You know, it's not just by one player. But also, you know, kudos and big ups to the, the backup that, you know, came in and finished the job for him. And, and ran that offense very smoothly. Yeah. And so, I mean, Alabama, even though they lost their starting quarterback, they still came out and did what Alabama does. And that's put up points, stop you on offense, and win the game. That's exactly what they did. But but I just don't get – I mean, it's like the, the, the people expect these coaches to just bow down to the media. No, they're there to win games. Yeah. It's like, okay, so uh, yesterday he held a press conference. Everybody's asking who's going to run the offense, what are you going to do, or are you changing the offense? He said, well, I guess I'll just call Jimbo up and tell him what I'm doing. <laughs> He said, you really think I'm going to answer that question? Quit asking these guys that question. Why do they, why do they think he'll change the offense? I mean, I mean. Well, just to simplify because there's some packages yeah. that are designed for Bryce Young. And you expect some changes. But why would he tell anybody that? Yeah. Well, the media is the last thing, if that, on a coach's mind after a win or a loss coming off that mm-hmm. field. I got to go talk to my guys. Mm-hmm. We have to conversate my coaching staff. We have to get ready for the next game. And so they're not really looking forward to the media. Now, yeah, and I some, want to give a uh, shout-out to the backup quarterback. Jalen Milrow is the coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a tough guy. He is, and he's a redshirt freshman, so he's a, yeah. he's a good football player. So uh, the thing is, you know, you have to realize, you know, there's some guys that do love the media. Some coaches, like, they can't wait to get in front of the cameras. But as we all know, Saban isn't one, and I don't fault him for that. Go He's there to win a yes, football game. Yes, that's, that's, that's not his job to answer your questions. No. Yeah. Just just appreciate what he's doing. Okay? Right. Uh, talking about Jimbo and Texas a and they got blown out by <laughs> Mississippi State and Coach Mike Leach, 42-24. The question I've got, I think he survives this season just because he's getting paid. You would expect him maybe to make one more year where they give him another chance because they, you know, everybody keeps talking about these recruiting classes. But I don't see where Jimbo can keep floating. At some point, there's got to be a reckoning of we're Texas A&M, we're in the SEC, we've got to win football games. Yep. And he's lost some games he shouldn't have lost. Now, the the saving grace this year is everybody's still talking about how he beat Alabama which was a busted-up Alabama football team. And, you know, fluke things happen. Then he talks all this trash all offseason. Now he's got to go to Tuscaloosa. He still he gets beat by App State. Now he's licking his wounds by losing to Mississippi State, you know, in an in a embarrassing fashion. Can't stop anybody. Can't put up points. Can't do anything. Now he's got to go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama. Backup quarterback or no, probably not going to win that football game. So the question deserves to be asked. You, you know, you blew your chance. That loss to Mississippi State takes you out of any playoff talk. Yeah. You're not going to be in the top four in the country at all. But how long do you keep paying this guy? I, I just don't get it. How long can you pay this guy? I, you know, and, and justify what you're doing in Texas. Yeah. And I like Jim O'Fit. I think he's a good football coach. But for whatever reason, he's, he's not able to produce – what everybody thought he was going to do. Yeah, well, now, he got gypped in the COVID year, the 2020 yeah. year. He should have been in the playoffs that year. But outside of that, he hasn't produced like you expected him to produce. Yeah. You expected him to make you a national championship contender. Yeah. And outside that one outlier season, it hadn't happened. 
Well, it's also, you know, they're uh, allegedly the top recruiting recruiting team in the in the college world as of right now. But that looks that's not idea. showing it's not showing anything, but you you your quarterback position is unstable. You don't know what you're going to do. Uh, your backup really isn't doing it for you. John, uh, John, uh, Haynes, King, Haynes King wasn't doing it for you. Uh, your defense looks really bad. You, with the way it's going, I can't see there if there's some improvement going up that could happen. That's good, but right now I don't see any improvement happening mm-hmm. on offense nor defense. They just, if he survives this season, good for him, but. Whether or not, like you said, whether or not he'll be there any much longer, that's up up for grabs. I don't know. And sad part is he's a good coach, but right now he's not producing what everybody thought he would or what he and what proclaimed. You're him, yeah. yeah. It's it, you got to do some Jimbo. You, you you talk big trash over the summer, so <laughs> you got to bag something up. And that's the funny thing is. You you went on this you know toe to toe head to head argument with Nick Saban about call him out yes called him out because you took something him. the wrong way and now it's starting kind of to look like what he said is true yes yeah, <laughs> so, exactly I mean I, I just don't understand that. yeah you, you, now you got to back it up hopefully you know you don't beat you too bad now number one school. Georgia falls to number two because they barely beat Missouri. 26-22. Yeah. This is not the Georgia team of last year. They're a good football team. They're yeah. going to give Alabama a run for their money. But this is not the Georgia team of last year. They're just not. Uh, across the board, they're not They're not quite what they were. You know, you lost some weapons to the draft, all those things. But still a very competitive team. I still expect them to be in the SEC yeah. championship game against Alabama and see how that turns yeah. out. But that probably takes one of those two teams out of contention. So as the season goes along, we're gonna be there's gonna be a debate for who's the top four teams in the country. <laughs> I, I you know I, I don't yeah. know that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. Uh, let's see here, and then you've got Clemson uh, beats North Carolina State thirty to twenty. Clemson not dominating, but they're winning ball games. They they're hanging in there. They're ranked number five in the AP poll. They're gonna be in the conversation. That's why again. It, it's a little early now for us to have these debates, but as we kind of go along here, you're going to have some some good debates and discussions about how do you set up this four team playoff. I uh, so Clemson. The thing is, Clemson. I, I I'm kind of hoping because it's, it's good to see Clemson getting back to that Clemson stat Clemson status, but um. I don't know where it's gonna where it's gonna head out. I mean, head off. I mean, you you have a team like Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and those guys. You know, they can match up with them. But how long will that last? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think as we go along, we're having a debate. I would assume that your top three is kind of clear unless Alabama beats Georgia twice. Yeah. If that happens, that upsets everything. Yeah. So I, I I don't know, but that that's something that as we kind of go along, like I said, it's a little I, early yeah. right now. No. I'd like to see Clemson back up there, man. I'd like to see USC or or uh, Ole Miss get some love. <laughs> USC especially, man. How about that? If Lincoln <laughs> Riley makes the playoffs, 
That's Oklahoma's fault. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's not the it's, it's it's the board's fault. I mean, because goodness, why do you want to go to other than money? Why do you want really want to go to the S? I mean, it's pointless. And he did the smart thing. Now he's over at USC. That would be a story, and yep. we root for stories on this. Yeah. Show. All right. So uh, some spicy games coming up. I think Mississippi State versus Arkansas. That'll be a good game to watch. Yep. Um, Michigan and Indiana just to kind of keep up with with Michigan's progress there. Um, you got Georgia versus Auburn. Hey, you barely beat Missouri, so let's see what what you can do. Auburn's not a great team, but they're yeah. still Auburn. You know, they they still have the 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 ability to upset somebody on mm-hmm. any given day. Uh, then you've got Ohio State at Michigan State. I think that has the potential. Not that it will be, but I think it's got the potential to be a spicy mm-hmm. game. And then you've got AM at Alabama, and what makes that so watchable is to see just whether or not Nick Saban wants to show some mercy to yes. Jimbo. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen there? Uh, so, so you got a few good games, you know. Uh, not kind of the stack schedule maybe that we're used to, but yeah. but you got some, some good watches there if you're just kind of surfing. Um, I'll definitely be tuning in a little bit to the A&M and Alabama yeah, me when too. I can. Mississippi State versus Arkansas I'll probably trying to catch some of that too. So uh, good games coming up this weekend. So moving on to the NFL. Uh, Thursday night, last Thursday, mm-hmm. you had the Bengals beating the Dolphins 27-15. Mm-hmm. But that's not the story. No, not at all. The story is Tua Tagovailoa collapsing on the field. To the point with nerve damage to the point that it gnarls his hands. His eyes cross. I mean, it's just this deal. Yeah. He had sucked, he had collapsed on the field the previous game yeah. on Sunday. He somehow gets to re-enter. The the doctor who cleared him gets fired. What is the NFL doing? <coughs> I think the doctor get who got fired was the state scapegoat uh, because clearly there was some Mike other McDaniel stuff. Daniel is responsible. Yeah, his head football coach is responsible because Mike McDaniel has given every excuse in the book as to why Tua Tagovailoa was allowed to even play in that football. I don't game. think because it, this is what I said. Like I told you, as a team doctor, it's your it's your decision to whether or not you clear that player or not. I don't think they had. You can't collapse on the field and be cleared for the next game. No, there's no way. Brian You're out Hoyer for a couple went of out weeks with a, with a concussion. Yeah. Then you had. Uh, I'm looking up the the players' name because I didn't get to watch the Sunday night game in depth. I didn't see it happen. Uh, Cameron Brait, who is the Tampa Bay tight end, he was dazed after a collision with a teammate. He was later found out to have a concussion. He got to re-enter the game again. Tony so what's going on? was on the sidelines. He said everybody knew he was dazed. They put him back in. We have got to decide how are we going to handle these players. And you're toying with their lives at this point. And they keep saying, well, uh, Coach Bowles' excuse was, well, he said it was his, his uh, knee or his back. No. And that was the excuse with Tua Tagovailoa. It doesn't matter. Check these guys out. They are clearly nobody, nobody, uh, Helen Keller could have seen. That Tua Tonga Mailoa had a had a concussion. A concussion. Yeah. Well, and this is the this is what got me is the dangerous part is then you know when you told me you know, his hand you know curled curled and then his eyes that signs of a stroke. Yes. That's serious. That's life threatening. And so what's going on, Miami? Well, I mean, 
Y'all, the NFL in general, they have got to decide how they're going to handle this. You cannot have guys in standalone nationally televised games. Yeah. Because it happened on Sunday and it happened on Thursday. Two standalone games. Yeah. Nationally televised games, and you've got players collapsing on the football field yeah. because you've got medical people who don't know how to do their jobs. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You're going to get somebody killed, and that, that, here's my problem, and here's why I'm on such a rant about it. That is the reason that nobody wants their kids playing football, and I'm against that. I say, hey, you can get hurt doing anything, but you kind of ruin my case. Mm-hmm. When you put guys out there who are professionals and people watching those games, kids watching those games, parents watch those games, and they see those guys fall out, they go, well, I don't want my kid playing football. Yeah, like, that's why. You're ruining football. Yeah. You're doing that. You're making Well, that and see, this is the thing. They're so on top of hit the helmet to helmet hits, but you don't take care of stuff like but this. But you don't take care of that. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Even at the yeah. high school level, you're starting to see that, where everybody's yeah. getting called for helmet helmet contact. Well, how are you going to justify making those those calls if you're not going to protect the at players the, after they get hurt? At the I, top that's level. A, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. And I, I wish to a, a, a you know, speedy recovery. But, man, Miami, and, and there's some deep stuff right now. They are. And they and are it's some deep stuff. So, and I am sick and tired of Mike McDaniels, their head coach, making yeah. all these excuses. No, you didn't care about Tua Tagamalo. Well, I don't want to hear about how you're trying to protect the future of your franchise. You didn't care. You knew. You practiced that guy all week. You knew that he is concussed. You yeah. knew he shouldn't be on the football field. That's ridiculous. But yeah. uh, let's see here. Then you've got the Seahawks uh, beating the Detroit Lions 48-45. to, to 45. But Detroit, hey, they're putting up points. Can't yeah. stop him, mate. They're putting up points. <laughs> Um, Better than they did last year. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're in games. Uh, Pete Carroll's win some games over in Seattle. Yeah, that's, sure now that's a that's something that kind of proved us wrong. I, 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 and on the flip side of that, so so to tag along with that, the Broncos. Let's see here. I'm trying to find that. Okay, they lost. The Raiders hit, were winless, right? The Raiders go in there and beat Denver 32 to 23. What happened to Let Russ Cook? I haven't seen Russ cook. You haven't even had. You no, know, it's a cold. It's cold over in Denver. Ain't no cooking you know, right now. So uh, it's it's a cold shoulder they gave Russ. And you know, I thought they made the r- wrong choice. Yeah. Well, now you kept pick, but I don't know. Like who? Who's but, in but, the wrong? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I mean, because you you keep Pete, and now he's winning. You know, they're Seattle's winning, and then Nathaniel Hackett's not utilizing Russell Wilson at all. Russ, so what Russ do you, should be a cowboy. Yeah. Just, let's just put that I believe that's what should have happened, for one. That's what should have happened. But given the situation and who the owner is and other stuff that was in play, uh, they just said, no, thank you. We'll push that plate away. I, I don't think they should have. I think they should at least have given it a Jerry try. Jones pushed the whole buffet away. Yeah, uh, well, that was a buffet of quarterbacks. And a buffet of quarterbacks, a buffet of players. Receivers, you yeah. Von Miller, you had OBJ. Had, golly, anyways. Uh, let's see here. Zach Wilson makes his debut in New York uh, the, for the season hey, and wins, beats uh, the Steelers 24-20. The other story Ooh. in that is that Kenny Pickett finally gets to play. They put yeah, Kenny I saw Pickett that, in. yeah. Mitchell Trubisky's days are over. Mitchell Trubisky's days been time, over, man. But for the first time in his career, Mike, Tom, Mike Tomlin's probably going to have a losing record. Mike. And I don't know what you do if you're Pittsburgh. I guess you just have to completely hit the reset button. 
You have but to just use your rookie contract with your quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you know what? We're going to get rid of our remaining veterans. We're going to see what we can do. You, now the question is: Is Mike Tomlin? Because see, Mike Tomlin got mentioned for some college jobs, and he took offense to it, which I didn't understand. He got mentioned for some college jobs. How long does Mike Tomlin? You know, he doesn't want to sit there and lose ball games. No, but the biggest thing in the, over in Pittsburgh is the offensive line. You hit the reset button. Build your offensive lineup. Yeah, you can't get Kenny Pickett killed back. No, because you just got him. It makes no sense for you to lose him in the first two <laughs> years, you know. But hit the reset button. I don't know what kind of season they're going to have right that, this, that's this year. That's what but. these rookie contracts are all about. Because the rookie contracts are uh, four years in length. Yeah. And they're long enough but cheap enough for you to figure out what you've got and build around these guys before you give them an extension. Right. But Pittsburgh needs to take advantage of that. If they don't, what's going to happen is you're going to get stuck with Kenny Pickett, and he's going to be around these guys who can't win football games, and you're never going to really know what you have uh, in yeah. Kenny Pickett. Like, yeah. how good is he? And that's going to be the he'll, – he'll be like a Dwayne Haskins where you have to tra- – you know, uh, may he rest in peace, but, but you have to trade him away to see kind of what yeah. you have. Uh, you, you know, and you don't want to have that situation. That's what's happened in Green Bay. Yeah. They refused to hit the reset button. They drafted Jordan Love. Now he's going to be on the backside of a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. You don't have a very good football team. I mean, they did win, but you don't have a very good football team over there. No, and, and the, the sad part about that is they just gave Aaron Rodgers a new contract, and they're not doing too good. No, and they traded away all of his – Yeah. And, and I, I don't understand. I think they did that to, it's, to spite Aaron Rodgers. I think they did that to spite him. I don't think it was anything to do with well, we want we want to look for somebody new or anything else. I think they did to spite him because they put he put them through so much hell in the off season that they say, okay, we'll give you your contract, but you ain't gonna have you're not gonna have anybody to throw to. You're not gonna have anybody to to look down the field and say, I, at least I got them open. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that, so I, I believe they did that to spite him. Yeah, it's kind of a deal over there. But, yeah. Uh, let's see. Hey, Tennessee looked like Tennessee. They beat Indianapolis 24-17. Mm-hmm. If you're Indianapolis, I don't know what you're going to do over there. But it was good to see Derrick Henry run the football. You kind of got back because, I mean, it now it's starting to become a question. Is Derrick Henry the same Derrick Henry? Yeah. And if that's the case, then do you go ahead? Do you get rid of Ryan Tannehill? Do you bring – and this is what I say about the NFL. We're so quick to move on to these other quarterbacks. As if that's just going to solve all the world's problems. Mm-hmm. But it was good to see Derrick Henry consistently powering the football down the field and kind of moving on. Yeah. And with the with the Titans, you know, I, as of right now, man, stick with Tannehill. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to end up like San Francisco, move on too fast, and then the guy gets hurt. Now you have to revert back to who was there at first. Stick with Tannehill. Um and see where it goes this season. And then after that, if you have anything drawn up from Malik Willis, then you go that route. But as of right now, if it ain't broke, don't try, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. And right now, it ain't broke, so don't fix it. Uh, let's see here. So you've got uh, Tennessee, like I said, beating the Colts 24 17. Uh, you've got Atlanta beating the Browns 23 to 20. I didn't see that. No, one because that was one of the teams that we would pick that they would beat. Yeah. Uh, 
the Browns are crazy right now, man. They're just all That's over the place. That's a bad deal. I, I they're all over that. the place. They're all over the place, I, man. I've said all I can say about that situation. Yeah. That's a mess. Yeah. Dallas does win 25-10. It wasn't that Cooper Rush put on a show. No. I know I know that Jerry Jones keeps wanting to create a controversy. But here's my here is the question that nobody's asking. And nobody's even asked Jerry. They're focusing on well if Cooper Rush can throw the football. You ran the football consistently, you ran the football well, you dominated their line of scrimmage for the most part, did what you had to do. That's how you're gonna win football games in Well, Dallas. This week, last week they did. This week they didn't. And I'll tell you why they didn't. And and the source of I believe why they didn't. Well they they, they, they ran the football pretty well. Mm, I don't know what Pollard No, they didn't. Because I'm gonna tell you why. You have Haynes and you have or not Haynes, uh Payne and you have Allen on the front of Washington defense. Uh they kept trying to pull the guard. That and it kept yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't work. And you kept trying to run up the middle. It well, wouldn't work. I, I'm not saying you ran it as well as you did the previous, but I'm saying you ran it well enough to win that ball game. You controlled yeah. the clock. Well, yeah, you you controlled the clock. You but controlled the clock. The the thing also is, my question isn't for Dallas. Isn't you know whether or not they can do any of that. But my question for Dallas is Kellen Moore. Uh, it. I don't think Kellen Moore knows how to call needed plays. You know, when you're down or when you're in a spot and you need a play that'll just work. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have Yeah, he doesn't have it. Because there was places where he ran the ball where he shouldn't have ran it. Mm -hmm. And there was places where he threw the ball where he shouldn't have thrown it. Mm -hmm. And so, this has been a consistency with him uh, since he's become the offensive coordinator. Is that he doesn't know how to call the right plays when it's needed. And and you see, and there's flashes of, of, you know... Plays was okay. That looks good, but that's not him. That's on. That's the players making it work. Mm-hmm. And so, my question is, Kellen Moore, you know, when are you going to get that playbook? Well, you're not. That's, Kellen Moore is not an NFL offensive coordinator. Well, okay. Well, you say that, but there has to be a point where, man, listen, you, you gird up your loins and say, listen, I gotta, I gotta start making stuff happen on my end rather than just relying on the players to make it happen. Because I mean, you're calling unnecessary plays, man. You don't. You're not showing that you well, know how to put a game on. Mike away. McCarthy should call his own plays. I don't understand. That. He doesn't know what Kellen Moore wants to do. Well, that's what I'm saying. Mike McCarthy needs to take over. Yeah, he did it in Green Bay. Do it here. But the problem is that right now Jerry is not in win now mode. So Jerry's not putting on the pressure. Jerry's doing like unnecessary stuff off the field in his press conferences to make the whole thing a circus. Yeah. Jerry should have just kept his mouth shut with this whole uh, quarterback controversy thing, man. He doesn't. Okay, you, so you what, started a whole but, trend. And now. what? And but but what that tells me is he doesn't want Dak in town either. That doesn't put confidence. Well, it's not. Hey, yeah. I've got a lot of confidence in Dak Prescott. In fact, Dak wants to play this Sunday. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, you have people saying, "Oh, well, he didn't mean it that way." Regardless of whether or not he, oh, meant, he meant it, it. that way, he, they asked him twice. He meant it. They can say what they want. He meant it. Well, and I say regardless or not, if whether he meant it or not, you don't say stuff like that. No, you just don't. And you're the owner. I mean, it's kind of at this point, Jerry, your PR, whoever he, whoever they are, needs to be hand in hand, foot in foot with you at these press conferences. Chain him up because he can't. He says stuff that's outlandish, and yes. oh well, I didn't mean he didn't mean it that way, or is it? No, 
Listen, just stay out of the camera's face. Just stay out of it. Keep I mean, your mouth yeah. shut. At best, let your son do it. That's, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know that, if you want your son to. Yeah. Well, I don't either, but <laughs> it seems better than him. It'd be better other than, than that, Cooper Rush is doing a good job in maintaining, keeping the game maintained, and make sure they don't lose. They're still uh, not going to win the division. You yeah. The yeah, you have to play the you have to play the Eagles. Probably uh, even make if you don't win the division, I don't know that you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I I think they can. They'll be second in the division. Well, uh, yeah, but I don't know that that's going to be good enough in the FC East uh, to win the wild. That, card. See, that's going to be questionable, but. Whether or not that yeah. record would, get to, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They got Gallup back. Gallup did good. You know, his first game back had a uh, clutch touchdown pass. Uh, he he did good for his first game back, and you know, having that field presence, um, it kind of opened up some stuff for C.D. Lamb and Noah Brown. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a good, that's a big plus. And then you're soon to get uh, James Washington back, mm-hmm. and uh, who you got from the Steelers. So. Uh, it's it, it's kind of looking like it's maybe starting to come together on the receiving end for Dallas on the receiver end for Dallas, um, but it's it's still in question about the quarterback. Yeah, even though Cooper Rush is you know helping you know lead them to wins, but it's still in question whether or not uh, how long is that going to be back, and if that comes back before he's ready, how long will he stay in? And when do you even want? My I don't. I wouldn't say bring him back because the thing, the question is, if he's eighty to eighty-eight percent ready, do why? you bring him back? Yeah, what's the point? No, no, you let. I would rather that be a hundred, be out six to eight weeks and be a hundred percent and come back rather but than even even if you bring him back because of what you've said. If you're Jerry, do you want Dak Prescott as your starting quarterback or not? Or do you regret not getting an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson? He's going to be a starting quarterback regardless. Regardless, because you're paying him too much money. Exactly. But I'm saying, I don't think that they want him in town. I, I it just It comes across like, and I said this from the beginning, he's not Mike McCarthy's quarterback. And, and, and you know, the, the thing that kept him there was Jerry, but now it's kind of like Jerry's gotten bored with him, and let's figure out what we can do to replace him. Why is it right now? You don't have anything. You else. don't. But the only thing it's just that mentality. Yeah. We don't and, want and, him and here. And the only thing is, is you let him go and you pay out his contract and you draft somebody. It, go get Bryce Young. I, just throwing it out there. All right. Might as well. Uh, let's see. I'm talking about the Eagles. You have they, to take the season in order to, for that to happen. Well, but Jerry wants to do that anyways. He wants Mike McCarthy gone. You're going to have to tank the season. Bryce scores pretty well, high. T- exactly. But tank or trade up. I don't know what you trade, but trade up. You're going to trade the whole offensive line to get Bryce Young. You don't want that. Well, yeah, because he ain't even killed. Yeah. But just take the seat because you want McCarthy out. He, he wants McCarthy gone. He's just got to justify why he's got firing. Uh, you know, yeah. and then it kind of it kind of got messed up when uh, Dak got hurt. Yeah. Because then everybody's going to say, well, it's not McCarthy, it's Dak. I, you know, it, it just kind of messed it up. Yeah. All right, so then uh, let's see here. You've got uh, the Eagles beat the Jags talking about Philadelphia. They won 29-21. But, hey, Trevor Lawrence has got going over there in Jacksonville. Trevor. Uh, you know, they, they made that hire with uh, uh, Doug Peterson bringing him in. He's winning yeah. ball games. They, yeah. They've got it going over there. Yeah. Uh, big ups. Even to the – I ain't an Eagles fan. I do not like the Eagles. Well, I don't either. But they're winning right now. They and, are. They made some very big moves in the offseason to allow them to be able to win like they are right now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ain't going to say congratulations. But you did what you had to do. You and did what you had to do. So uh, Let's see here. The Bills beat the Ravens 23-20. I still don't understand the go for it 
Why not just take the points, trust your defense if you're John Harbaugh? <laughs> and if you that are going to go for it, why run a pass play at the two-yard line? Exactly. Like Jackson is your quarterback. Exactly, man. I didn't understand. If you are going to go for it, why that play call? Yeah. I'm not even saying you shouldn't have gone for it because you've got Lamar Jackson. But if you are going to go for it, why that play call? Just run the quarterback key, let your offensive line do their job, mash up front, and go get the touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we're not even talking about you. That was that – was, uh, was it Seattle and New England all yeah, over again? It exact was exact same exactly. spot. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. That's why I say I don't know what Jim Harbaugh is going is doing over John, there, John or John Harbaugh is doing over there in Baltimore. Uh, at this point, you can't even justify paying Lamar Jackson because of the way they're playing. Maybe uh, that's going to be the other story. Lamar Jackson may be on the market if you're the Dallas Cowboys. No. Oh yeah, if you I'm, I'm gonna Sean, tell you, I'm gonna if tell you, playing Sean Payton, that's Sean Payton's dream. Now, okay, okay, if, yeah, if you go get Sean if, Payton, if, yes, but if you have Mike McCarthy, then no, yeah, that's but a, I'm that's saying a no if you if you get Sean Payton, that's Sean Payton's dude, man. But I was, I would even say this: if if it was it was Mike McCarthy, it would still be it should be a go because he fits that offense, he but fits those players exactly. But it won't be because yeah. of Mike McCarthy, because of that whole dynamic. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if Sean Payton comes in and says, "I want Lamar Jackson," he's getting Lamar Jackson. Yeah. That he fits the players, man. Exactly. I think that the receiver core is gonna go off, man. Probably not gonna happen, but something yeah. to think about. Uh, let's see. Then you've got the Cardinals uh, beating uh, Carolina twenty six sixteen. That whole situation, in Carolina. They thought that Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield's an okay quarterback, <laughs> but he's not gonna win you a Super Bowl in Carolina. It's not gonna happen. He wasn't gonna do it with the Browns. I mean. Well, he could have because they would have run the football. Well, yeah, they would have did what they were supposed to do. But they didn't. Story, yeah. I digress. But if you were a Carolina fan, you couldn't have expected him to just – I know they did, but they shouldn't have. That was a bad that, – that, that's bad for everybody involved. Matt Rule's gone. They put a lot of – He's not going to be the coach. He's probably going to go to, you know, a, a, an SEC school, maybe a Big 12 school after one of those people fires their head coach. Yeah, I don't know what the answer yeah. is with Baker. What's going to happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, now what? Now what with him? Because he still wants an extension, but what? he's playing his way out of one. You see what? Like, I don't know what's going <laughs> to happen with Baker Mayfield. I said Lamar Jackson didn't, didn't, didn't deserve But Baker one. really doesn't. Yeah, you better, man, do what you can while you but, can. But that's the problem. We're putting these players in a situation to fail. I, I, I just don't get it. Uh, let's see. We already talked about the Raiders and the Broncos. Uh, Chiefs beat Tampa Bay 41-31. Tom Brady, just go home. Tom Brady is not Tom Brady. Like, yeah. he's just not. He's just not Tom go Brady. Go be with your kids and your wife, man. Yeah. And then last night, 49ers dominate the Rams 24-9. They dominated both lines of scrimmage. Yeah. They did. They, they dominated both lines of scrimmage. Uh, San Francisco, all Jimmy G does is win. I, and that fits them. What they were trying to do with Trey Lance mm-hmm. did not fit what San Francisco is all about. Nope. That and, that hasn't been their identity since a long time. Yeah. <laughs> since Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Was since yeah. Ka- yeah. Kaepernick. Yeah. But uh, so you, you had that, and then Thursday night's game is going to be the Colts, the Broncos. I want to see will they let Russ cook? I don't think so. Their best bet is to go ahead and kind of just let do what you can while you can with Russ, and then 
maybe the next season afterwards you see what you can do. But other than that, if they ain't going to let Rush throw the ball, it's pointless for him to even be there. It's, it was yeah. pointless for you to go pick him up. But if you – if I don't know if this is a trial run for them with him. But if it was, you're doing a poor job at it. Not as that he's doing a bad job, but as a coaching staff, you're doing a poor job with seeing what he has if you're not going to let him show well, I, I, it. It felt like Nathaniel Hackett didn't want him. He wanted Aaron Rodgers to come with him from Green Bay. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, as a backup, we'll take Russell Wilson because I don't have a quarterback. It, it just didn't feel like that was the fit, but but we'll see. Uh, then upcoming this week, you got the Cowboys at the Rams. Maybe the Cowboys can pull that one out. Uh, you've got the Bengals at the Ravens. See what how Baltimore is going to bounce back. Yeah. Um, then the Monday night game, you got the Raiders at the Chiefs. You expect the Chiefs to dominate that game. Uh, so, so some good games coming up. Uh, but the, the big one to watch, I think, is the Cowboys at the Rams. Not just because the Cowboys, but to see what the Rams – they're not looking too hot right now. No. It's not looking good for Matt Stafford and the crew. Matt Stafford um, is Matt Stafford. Again. Aaron Donald, I mean, even got dominated last night. I mean, they, they dominated him on the line of scrimmage. So, so we'll see. Uh, NBA preseason has started, so as that gets going, we will talk about things other than football. We do watch other things. It's just that because of when we started the show and got kicked yeah. off, we're in the middle of it. But as the NBA gets going, we'll have some analysis there. As the Major League Baseball playoffs – uh, I'll have some analysis on that because I am a big baseball guy, but we just because of the start of the show didn't get to to do things exactly how we had planned. But yeah. we're starting to get a rhythm with this show, so stick with us um, and, and kind of get some ideas on on how we can format things best and get you the analysis. Uh, Aaron Judge still waiting on that sixty second home run, but he did tie uh, the American League record with sixty one for a season. So we'll see what he can do against uh, the Texas Rangers over the next uh, couple of days. But, uh, well, that's all we've got. I yeah. think that was a good show. We covered a lot. Yeah. Hope you could take that fire hydrant. And uh, we'll see you next week. Be looking for our content on TikTok. TikTok. Sports underscore yep. East Tex. Uh, be looking at our Facebook page. Also, we want to encourage you, go over to the Tri-County Press page, especially if yes. you're from the East Texas area, yes. uh, local, uh, the Tri-County area of Camp Morris or Tynus. And if you want to watch one of the games live, hop over there. A lot of times we're at those same games. And yeah. if not, uh, we're trading information with Miss Sonia uh, Woods over there. who does a great job covering things. So we want to encourage you. Uh, we've kind of partnered up here at RNA Media with her and her uh, crew over there, so we're excited to see what that partnership holds. But we yep. want to encourage you get all the content over there that you can, get our content, and we'll see you next week.